Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Mr. Lindsay podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with my good friend, Jesse Edwards, who's a amazing teacher um, in Ottawa. Things we talk about in this podcast, we get into some history. We, we talk about how history is being taught in the education system today, uh, particularly in high schools. We look at specific content. So, um, what are some um, important historical periods and events and people that are being identified in history in the history curriculum? Also, what areas are lacking in the history curriculum in high schools, particularly um, Aboriginal content? And Jesse gives us his thoughts and opinions on that issue. And I also uh, quiz Jesse on some of his some of his his opinions and his views on. Um, historical historical actors and, and events and issues that maybe haven't really been emphasized enough. Um, and I also give my two cents on some issues that I feel are very important that really haven't been identified lately. We get into some Trump talk. We give our opinions on, you know, what Trump's legacy is going to be 10 years, 20 years from now. How is he going to be viewed? How is his, how is his administration going to be um, kind of like how is history going to view it? Um, and yeah, I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and it's really great actually reconnecting with Jesse, um, on these issues. So I hope you enjoy and, uh, have, have fun. I'm there. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, what's going on, man? How, uh, what's up? Not much. Just uh, looking forward to the call. Yeah, welcome to the Mr. Lindsay podcast. This is episode three. Um, been really psyched to have you on to t- you know to talk about a few things. But uh, before we get into stuff, do you want to kind of just talk about um, our relationship, how you know me, and then uh, maybe just a little bit of background professionally about who you are? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess we met uh, in grade seven. Um, we went to different schools before that and we kind of uh, like my locker was right across the hall from you in grade seven and grade eight. And we kind of knew each other on a surface level, but never were in the same class. So we started to really connect, I guess, in, in high school. Uh, we kind of found, uh, found each other through a love of sports. Um, like I came from a hockey playing family and so did you and you were more of a basketball guy, but I uh, loved all sports, so we kind of connected mm-hmm. through there, and our both our friends groups kind of came together and formed a, one big group. So started hanging out more, and yeah. um, and then we ended up. You started at Windsor, but came to Brock uh, University, which is where we were. So we were able to to kind of reconnect there and and uh, finish our university together, which was awesome. Yes, and uh, for me, uh, I uh, I moved to. Ottawa for teachers college and ended up uh, meeting my wife there on the first day of teachers college and ended up staying and I'm a a special education teacher here in Ottawa at the high school level. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's amazing actually to think about um, being a high school teacher because you know being in a K-8 school and then you know you go to a field trip at a high school and it's like it's a totally different (laughs) environment. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool, man. I'm really really psyched to have you on. 
Um, obviously, the topic to uh, du jour, I think, is I think talking about talking about history. Although this this potentially could be boring for some listeners, but uh, <laughs> I really think if you give it a chance, that some people um, I think are just sort of like the weary of like history, like oh, it's in these books and you don't get it, and but really, it's like it's so important to our day to day existence and like understanding what happened um in the past and how to use that information to inform future decisions like whether it be you know socially politically economically whatever it may be like i think there's just so so much useful stuff you can do with with history um so yeah i just have some general questions for you to kind of pick your brain because it's kind of been a while since we actually chatted Mm-hmm. Um, like from, from from an educational point of view like um i know you've kind of you've kind of uh ventured away from teaching history but like what you know in the past what have you kind of gotten from teaching like history like at the high school level uh well it's it's changing that mindset right that's what i think is the biggest thing and actually i've i'm going back to teaching history next year so i'm super excited about it nice. uh, it's changing the mindset of students coming in expecting it to be boring and 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 uh getting them to a place to appreciate history to know why it's important and to actually get excited about it that's what i take away most from it and why i love doing it so much and Mm -hmm. uh, i can't wait to to get into it next year because like you said i do think it's super important and uh, i think it's really dependent on the teacher and uh, how engaged they're in it, they are in it, and how excited they are about it. And if they're passionate about it, then that that passion is going to bleed into the students, and uh, it's it's kind of infectious. It's the same with any topic, but I think with with history, because students come in with. Hey man, what's going on? Yeah, so I was just saying, like. Um, because they don't come in with a, with a lot of base knowledge, it's really dependent on the teacher and how passionate they are about it to kind of inspire the students to, to want to learn about it and to, to want to, to know all the interest, interesting stuff that we're, we're trying to show them. Right. Yeah. And like, what do you, what do you think like kids get out of it? Like, I know it's kind of a general question, but like, but especially those students who are like tentative or like, you know, aren't sure about the class. Like, what do you think at the end of the day that, they get out of that class that they wouldn't get out of like physics or um or math or like calculus or something uh well a few things i think technically they they learn uh really good they learn really good research skills and they learn really good writing skills which i think are going to help them you know in post-secondary or just their work life or college after uh, after high school, I think I really emphasize those skills. And then just in a general sense, I think they, they gain an appreciation of how knowing what's happened in the past can really help you make decisions in the present for the future. So I think they really gain an appreciation uh, of how, you know, for example, everyone loves to talk about Donald Trump. So you can look yeah. in, in the past and see kind of indicators and, um, and kind of warning signs and different uh, different things that make his ascension and his popularity not all that surprising. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the whole Trump thing does provide quite a bit of uh, 
um, involvement from all sorts of different students. Yeah, uh, Jessica, sure. can you, you do a mic check? It kind of your mic sounds a bit low. Um, How's that? I don't know. It's for some reason it's coming through quiet. I'm, I can still hear you. But I just I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to come in on the recording, but that's fine. I can I can totally make you out. Um, um, so yeah. So another question, like um, generally speaking, like why why does like history matter? Like we, we can focus on like Canadian history, like you know when it's embedded in the curriculum. Like why is it important that um, grade 10 students learn about, you know, acts or, you know, why is it important that grade 12 students learn about the group of seven or um, they learn about the Korean war? Like, why are these things relevant to young people in Canada? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's a question that you get from the students, right? He's like, why do I have to know this? It happened a hundred years ago or 300 years ago. And it's to me, the answer is like everything in your life now is as a result of what's happened before and it and and knowing what's happened before and knowing the whys uh it just helps you recognize things in the present it helps you make decisions uh in the present and it, it makes you um have the, have the tools to to predict and and to make decisions about the future in a way that um you know if you have no knowledge or no appreciation of the past you're going to be surprised by things. You're going to struggle with, with things and you're going to struggle to understand why things are the way they are. And it just mm -hmm. gives you such a, an appreciation for what's come before you. Um, and it's, it's just such a good tool in, in helping you live in, in the present time. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you tell students when you're talking about history in either at the college level or uh, with the, the younger guys that you teach every day? Yeah, I think like there definitely at the college level, there's an, a, particularly with my students is that like they're really disinterested in mm -hmm. any sort of like maybe it's because it's not in their program. The thing is, it's always like, well, I'm not learning about that. So I don't need to know about why North Korea exists the way that it does. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, there's like this complacency that it's like, well, it doesn't matter to me. It's not, you know, I don't have to deal with it. Um, and so I think that complacency is, it's like, it's a, I think, it, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's like, it's, it's like a harbinger of something else. It's like, okay, why does our society not value that? Like, this is, this is important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I kind of look at that and go, well, how can I make it interesting? Like you, you might not be interested in it, but how can I spin it in a way that makes it interesting? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and you know, I I think what Vice Media has done over the past, I mean, Vice is pretty. I don't. Know, do you follow Vice? I just see their stories pop up on social media. I don't. Uh, I don't follow them per se, but yeah. Yeah, I think what Vice has done is they've made news cool. You know, yeah. from a, and I think to make it trendy and cool, and I, I think is a really important thing because in the age of social media with, you know, people scrolling on their phones, you know, you know, this sort of I'm trying to think needing like something at the drop of a hat, like information just supposed to be there that like people kind of lose touch with reality a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think bringing students and bringing people in general back to an understanding of reality I think is important. Mm -hmm. 
but I just noticed, especially with the college students, is that they just there's not enough time. Well, I don't have enough time to read this book. I don't have enough yeah. time for this. I don't have time for that. It's like, well, make time because it matters. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, what another question for you? What like what area of history do you feel is like under report? Not underreported, but like under like underappreciated. Uh, either an area of history that you that you've taught or that you're interested in. Is there an area where you go, well, like that's really important, but no one cares? Um. Y- yes, and up until the past couple of years, my answer to that would always have been uh, FMNI stuff. So first nations, Métis, Inuit. Mm. Um, but the, at the high school level, the curriculum is changing to include way more stuff uh, about first nations and Aboriginal people. So that's, that's great. And uh, our, actually our English curriculum uh, at the grade 11 and 12 level, or sorry, at the grade 11 level has changed to a strictly native based uh, English course, so it's all uh, all the stories, all the texts are are native stories, uh, okay. translated into English. So that's been a really positive change because up until very recently, because I'm focused mostly on Canadian history and, and North American history, and um, yeah, up until very recently, it's it's been very um, underrepresented in our curriculum. Uh, and our, our students kind of have a very cursory knowledge uh, of our, our Aboriginal history, but it's, it's not in depth at all. And I'm very pleased that it's changed uh, starting in September of next year. And that's kind of part of the reason, too, that I'm, I'm going back to it a bit because I, I think it's super important and uh, I can't wait to share it with the students. Yeah, and, and the same thing's happening in, at the K-8 level um, with reconciliation yeah. And incorporating, um, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission into the curriculum and like really getting students to, I mean, the care, I mean, it's really hard, like, especially I mean, with, with my grade six students, getting them to actually care about, oh, this, this is, these are the things that are afflicting these Aboriginal communities. And like, okay, that's nice. You read about it and it's like, well, you feel, you know, you feel sympathy or pity or whatever you might feel. But to actually visit, and I'm saying this as someone who's never been to one of these places, to visit Awapiskat and to see stray dogs and people who don't have running water, um, you know, where the majority of the population, I'm going to say the majority, I mean, I don't know, but like where, you know, a sizable portion of the people who live there are addicted to different substances, um, people who've been victims of rape, I mean, um, increased suicide rates, all these different things, right? These are yeah. real things. I think to teach those things, you know, through, you know, literature or, you know, through presentation for whatever it may be, I think is really good, but like, it doesn't hold a, it doesn't hold a, a, a light or a torch to like actually seeing it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've only been to Thunder Bay and having been in Thunder Bay just for lunch, and actually seeing it and seeing Aboriginal poverty um, in the city, in a city like that, it really hits home because, you know, quite frankly, I don't know if things are different in Ottawa. I don't know, um, but it, it definitely in the GTA, we're we're we don't see it. We don't we, we don't see it as a problem. And so, yeah, I think exposing it as an issue is 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 so important for young people yeah. in Canada. 
For sure. Now, like I remember in high school, I saw a CBC documentary. I forget who showed it to us uh, on Rankin Inlet, and it was like, oh my goodness! Like I didn't know, I didn't know that was happening at all in Canada. You know, like, I was shocked. That's Labrador, I believe. Is Rankin Inlet in Labrador? Yeah, and it's you know, as far as I, I know, it's still terrible there. You know, like right. nothing has really changed that that much for the positive. So yes, I, but I remember seeing that and and. Just, you know, there, like you said, there's nothing like seeing, and I, I wasn't even there. It's just on the documentary, but seeing the real people, seeing the land, seeing how they live, and especially the, you know, the young people, the youth there. It's yeah, it was devastating. So yeah, I think showing them is uh, is definitely the most important thing. But in terms of like the rest of your question too, I, there's so much like I have no idea about. You know, like European history, I know a little bit about, but mostly 20th century, 19th century, but like African history, South American history, there's so much to know, you know, it's, it's impossible to, to know it all or to have uh, even a good knowledge of, of most of it. So, and I always laugh, one of my pet peeves of being a history major is when you don't know something about history in, yeah. in any, in any uh, time period or, or country and people will say, oh, well, you're a history major, right? And they just expect you to know everything, right? Yeah, that's where humility comes in, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. just go, well, you know, I don't, you know, that's just not the way it is. Like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, like, so for instance, there is a few, I mean, for me, like when I, okay, so moving away from like what's underreported to like, I know you're a JFK guy. Yeah. Um, like what, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm on a fence with him, right? Like, I don't, I, you know, full disclosure, I'm not an expert on, jfk or his administration or that time period in general i know that's kind of that's kind of in your wheelhouse like what what really made him great in your opinion like if you were to write a thesis like what what is it that made him great i think it was his ability to um to represent and to speak for people in american society that hadn't been stood up for in the past mainly minorities uh, women, um, just under the poor, underrepresented people who never had a strong voice, who now had this young, charismatic um, leader who was there for them, or they felt was there for them. Um, yeah, he was. There's just uh, he had that X factor, right? Um, and and it, yeah, and and there's there's definitely questionable uh, judgments he made uh, and and the, the reality too is that his death you know uh, in his first term it leaves that kind of uh, that legacy where of it's you know people talk about all the great things he could have done or would have done and it's almost romantic right like this great president shot down in his first term and Camelot, right? They call it Camelot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, I, I, I compare it to, so let's say uh, something had happened to Barack Obama in his first term. I think he would have been remembered the same way um, because in that first, you know, the first few, year, few years of that first term, everyone loved him, you know, and, and as he went on, he still, um, finished as one of the most popular, if not the most popular in terms of approval rating at the end of his two terms, but 
it definitely had come down a lot from those first couple of years. And I, I think those first couple of years were very similar to, to Kennedy's, but you know, his term and his life ended there. So he, 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 his career and life ended on, you know, the, one of the, some of the highest terms possible. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely this enigmatic figure. Yeah. You know, just like the, probably the most remembered president of all time. Yeah. Um, how he died. And, um, I guess him going against Nixon, I, I believe, I do believe he, it was after Eisenhower, I, right. His administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was that, um, I'm like, I don't want to use any bad words on this podcast, but, um, Richard Nixon went up against, um, <laughs> went up against them in that. I think it was the first ever televised debate. Yeah. Actually. yeah. And then, yeah. And actually, and actually it, it, that that debate, the format of putting the debate on TV, absolutely crushed Nixon. Yeah, um, I think that that his undoing. I think he's actually there's some sort of clip of him sweating or something. Oh, he's like sweating profusely, and he has his little handkerchief like dabbing the sweat, and he's in like you know a cheap suit, and there's Kennedy like with with the flowing hair and the perfect suit, and like super super calm, cool uh very collected is is so eloquent like yeah he just rocked him yeah and it and it, and it was like i could i mean again i'm not an expert on it but i do remember and mainly because i do hate i do hate nixon full disclosure <laughs> um but like yeah having him crush nixon and then obviously nixon and the ego the egotistical person that he was never gave up and eventually became president again later yeah um, uh with his friend kissinger there but the, yeah, the debate format, I mean, there's something like I watch a Canadian debate, I mean, coming off the heels of our election here in Ontario, like coming off the heels of the Canadian debate and you watch the debate in the United States. I mean, there's something there's something about American politics that is like different than Canadian politics. Like, do you kind of feel that like even with our even federally, like there's something about Canada that it's like we're like everything's just kind of like not as. I don't know, like not as entertaining, not as good. It's, you know, like we're trying to pretend like we're, you know, like we're, you know, like we're like the United States in some way, but we're just kind of not quite there. I don't know. What do you make of that? There's just, yeah, there seems to be more drama, right? In the, in the U.S. election. And I personally, I think it's because it's one versus one in the debate format. Like it's almost like a WWE wrestling match of the minds, you know, it's, it's and it's one versus one uh with with the canadian one there's you know there's three and and in the uh provincial ones there is four i think so i think it's just that one-on-one nature of it makes it so much more dramatic because with this with three or more sometimes you've got people talking over each other trying to get their you know their their time on camera and they get their points across and and then they start bickering and it, they just seem childish. Whereas right. uh, the one-on-one formats, uh, at least for the presidential elections, I think just provides more drama. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but there's yeah. definitely something there with the like, you know, good good versus evil type thing. Yeah. And they both sides think they're good and the other, they think the other side's evil. Yeah, um, the drama in the U.S. ones is, I guess, the, the leadership races for the parties, right? Like, like the Republican one where there was 10 of them on the stage and, and Trump was just mowing them down. So 
Um, well, maybe we can segue a little bit. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to obviously get into Trump too much because I mean, it's absurd, but like, um, what do you like from a historical, like looking at things through a historical lens, like what do you see a Trump's legacy being like 10 years, 10, 15 years down the road? Trump's legacy? Yeah. That's a good question. And why don't you, why don't you go first? What do you think it'll be? You know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a good one. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for George Bush, for as, as uh, what's the word? I mean, I'm looking for trying to find the right wording. I don't think, I don't think George Bush is a bad person. Um, I, I think George Bush was misguided. I think he had, he had a poor um, cabinet around him. I think he had leaders who, um, I think he had people in place that just weren't guiding, you know, weren't helping him, in, you know, in the right direction when it came to, you know, foreign policy, especially with, you know, the war in Iraq or whatever it may be. Um, but I think with Trump, like, I think, I really think that, you know, when when history kind of takes a view of him, that it's just going to be, you know, looking at his mistakes, you know, or mm-hmm. looking, you know, just looking at things and go like, what could have been? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, especially, you know, whatever comes out with Russia, um, but his policy on climate change, is you know in denial you know the, the paris peace conference and pulling out of nafta is it's really sort of like a reversal really like a strong reversal of what's happened over the past 30 or 40 years yeah. like and even republicans would admit to a lot of the stuff that he's done you know whether fighting against free trade you know like i don't i don't even understand if you know this is this i mean this is from an economic point of view i mean it's just like the foundation of reaganomics like you know and he's just you know i, I don't know if, i don't think he stands for anything i think what, when it comes down to it like his legacy gonna be like never actually stood for anything yeah uh, it's just kind of like a it's just kind of this mindless egotistical power grab he's and, almost yeah go ahead no that's it that's, that's, no, that's he's cool. like he's almost going back though to like what the founding fathers wanted in a sense right like that isolationism um in a lot of ways he's just going back to america first do what's best for america and and kind of disregard the impact it'll have on others mm-hmm. um which is in a, is is not the way it's kind of it's written much nicer uh, by the founding fathers but i think he's kind of almost in a way going back to that and, and for his legacy i think and i don't know what you think about this i think part of it will be that of his legacy is that anyone can be president you know, um, because, you know, we've heard like rumblings of people who are thinking of running in, in uh, I guess, what is it, 2020, um, whether it's like The Rock or Oprah or Kanye, like to have Trump and, and, and his history and the things he said during the campaign and him still win, I think, shows to to the U.S. and to the world that, you know, really anyone can become president and it'll be interesting to me whether he wins the next term or not you know in in the following elections the next three or four elections to see if the u.s goes back to more of a traditional politician or if they stay with the celebrity you know so yeah and there's been rumblings that joe biden um is is considering running um so that would be interesting yeah. But yeah, you mentioned the sort of cult of celebrity which is yeah. 
it's like people are addicted. I mean, it's really sad, um, but it's like people are addicted to celebrities. And then Trump is like, you know, a celebrity on steroids. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, um, and you have like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, there you go. Right? He's also a politician. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it's, it just seems it's like this natural path that like kind of works out in the United States. And doesn't really, they don't really have it in, in Great Britain, really. Um, where like, I mean, Great Britain's a whole different thing, but like, you know, they don't really have these celebrities become politicians. Like politics is like this completely separate realm. It almost seems in, England, yeah. um, in the UK. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So um, just to kind of leave the kind of ask you one more question. Like I asked you about what was sort of an un, un, underreported or like an, um, sorry, uh, an area of history that a lot of people haven't really looked at. Like who is somebody in history, and it could be Canadian history, that has not been been given enough credit and that you know that that exerted a lot of influence but hasn't really been appreciated is anybody pop into your head when i kind of say that um yeah kind of two i guess uh one is uh ted Sorensen. do you know him no so he was the the speech writer for kennedy um mm. so i think like he was the kind of the puppeteer behind those amazing uh, speeches. And obviously Kennedy was gifted at uh, giving them, but, you know, those words came from, from Ted Sorensen and he, he, he wrote a great book. I forget what it's called, but it's worth checking it out just about his, his work with Kennedy and kind of how they came to craft some of those great speeches. Um, so I think he, he's one and uh, maybe not under there's lots of books about this next one, but uh, General James Wolfe from mm. uh, the Plains of Abraham battle. Um, I think I would say him just because like the Plains of Abraham pretty much is the, the key battle, which, which uh, led to Britain taking over Canada, right from the French. So um, yeah. And, and um and and Wolf made this like last minute tactical change uh, during uh, the Plains of Abraham, which totally threw off uh, the French and, and led to Britain winning. And he ended up dying in, in the battle. And uh, I just think, you know, if if he makes a different decision, you know, in the, in that key moment, then the course of our country's history could be could be very different. So. I think uh, those two guys for me. Wow, that's that's huge. I didn't really, I didn't really think about that. Like these individual people, and like especially in war, like these small, you know, what seems small at the time. Like these decisions, just like they they set the course of history for centuries. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Napoleon, or yeah. you know, Wallace, or you know, Lord Wellington, or like some of these major generals. Um, yeah. Really huge difference yeah well that's that's kind of too what i love about history right is that you know there history can be these long like long slow changes over time or it can be in an instant everything changes you know whether it's 9-11 or jfk getting shot or you know any number or gabriel princep from blackhand uh, killing the archduke yeah. france ferdinand like things can change the world can change in an instant. Um, 
you know, which, which is fascinating to me. And I, those are the moments in history that I love studying the most. Yeah. Um, what about you um, in terms of the people or. I'm actually looking right now. I can't, what is the guy's name? Um, Oppenheimer. Okay. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, he, he was part of the Manhattan project. Nice. Um, that created um, the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Looking at his, I, I, I believe he committed suicide. I'm actually on Wikipedia. I mean, just kind of sprung to my mind. Um, I'm just kind of looking. He, I mean, he, his writings after the 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 creation of the nuclear weapon. Um, okay, he didn't die of suicide. I thought he had. Um, he died of cancer, but. Um, his, some of his writing post the creation of the nuclear weapon um, and how horrible it is mm-hmm. um, are absolutely like incredible um, and stuff he says about it. And, you know, I'm like, I guess one quote, I think he quotes the Bhagavad Gita. I think he quotes like a Hindu text saying like, I'm the destroyer of worlds, like, bl- you know, blaming himself for the nuclear age because wow. he, he's the one responsible for, um you know the h-bomb and you know the advent of of thermonuclear weapons and all this stuff and so i mean that would be a heavy can you imagine carrying that around every day (laughs) yeah knowing that i it could be my um it could be my fault that a new you know that that humanity is is evaporated yeah you know Mm -hmm. they kind of i don't know i I just watched terminator the other day (laughs) and it kind of reminds guy in terminator 2 who finds out that he's responsible for creating these machines yeah and it's his quest to destroy these machines it's like i don't know but yeah he's someone in history i definitely um i look at and go man that's an interesting character mm-hmm. but uh yeah man um it's been great chatting with you i i really hope to have you on for future pods um and maybe we, we can talk a little hockey because yeah. um, I know my students are really into hockey and they're huge listeners of this podcast. And um, I would like to get into hockey with you because uh, I haven't really gotten, I haven't really looked at hockey a lot lately. And uh, it's a sport that deserves um, a lot of attention. I think, I think you might be, you might be the guy to talk to on that. So yeah. If you want to talk uh, hockey or talk uh, like fatherhood or something, uh, yeah. Hit me up. Interesting definitely okay we'll be in contact and uh we'll have you on for future episodes sounds good man okay jesse you have a great night all right thanks call okay see ya bye hey guys i really hope you enjoyed um interview with jesse he's such a brilliant person um a tremendous father um a dedicated sports fan and also a real real dedicated teacher and just an all-around really great person. So it was nice having him on the pod and being able to pick his brain for a little while and kind of get, you know, his sense and his opinion on, you know, really the state of education, you know, the state of how his, the state of education and really, you know, how history is being taught in school, um, uh, particularly at the high school level. Um, I really enjoyed hearing Jesse's opinion on how um, Aboriginal um, issues our Aboriginal topics just as a whole aren't really being considered or they're not really given, they haven't really been given their place in, in, in history textbooks. I hate to say textbooks, but, um, in history classrooms across Canada. And I think, um, with reconciliation, you know, with the truth and reconciliation commission and these efforts to sort of include, 
to sort of, you know, be sort of not, not to include, but to be more inclusive, to include, um, you know, the histories of Aboriginal peoples and, you know, cons- you know, their narrative as part of Canada's overall narrative um, as a country. And I think that's really important. And I think Jesse was spot on when he talked about that. Um, and I also really enjoyed how Jesse talked about John F. Kennedy because John F. Kennedy is not, you know, his sort of his administration and his presidency isn't really a topic that I consider myself an expert in, but it's really nice getting, um, getting his, his opinion on, on, on him and, um, on that sort of, that area of history. Um, I really, really look forward to, um, the fourth, fourth episode of my podcast. It's going to be, um, it's going to be really great. Um, So keep checking in and um, I'll be speaking with everyone later.